we got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. It goes down in the dim. It go down. It go down in the dim. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus vest that expires seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like... What the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. Something to note, all myths have many versions and variations. Our version of the Krampus story contains characters from both Austrian and Bavarian folklore. Because mythology comes from oral tradition, there's a wide variety across sources. Our myths may not always be the version you're familiar with, but we hope you'll enjoy them. Liesel shook in fear at the bottom of the sack. She could feel the shoulders of the other children bumping against hers as it jostled back and forth. None of them had much room, and all of them were shivering. Krampus had taken them from their homes. These children were dressed for the warmth of their beds, not for traveling through the cold night in a burlap bag. But Liesel could not just sit there. She had to see where they were going. She clambered over the other children, ignoring the protests and annoyed cries that came from beneath her. Liesel pried open the neck of the sack with her fingers. She was struck by a sudden gust of cold air. She felt the sack jerk and then sway lazily in place, as if the owner of the bag had stopped walking. Then the bag swung around. Her vision was filled with a massive, horned face. Yellow eyes stared out through black fur. Liesel shrunk back. Don't even think about trying to escape, little child. Where are you taking us? (laughs) Where all bad children go. To hell. You're lying. Why would I lie? It's my job to take you there. Now, go back in the sack. If you're taking us to hell, then I have no reason to do as you say. Oh, you don't? I could eat you right here. Is that what you want? Liesel fell silent, watching the monster for any sign that it was joking. With a throaty laugh, it reached a finger up and pressed on Liesel's forehead, 
The edges of the bag slipped from her fingers and she tumbled back into the tangle of other children in the sack. Welcome to Mythology, a ParCast original. Every Tuesday, we present dramatic stories from ancient mythology and explore their origins. I'm your host and narrator, Vanessa Richardson. You can find all episodes of Mythology and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. To stream Mythology for free on Spotify, just open the app and type Mythology in the search bar. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. And if you enjoy today's episode, the best way to help us is to leave a five-star review wherever you're listening. It really does help. Last week, we began our deep dive into the history and folklore of Krampus, a yuletide monster from the alpine regions of Austria and Bavaria. We told the story of a small Germanic family who were devastated when Krampus took their daughter away for misbehaving. Undeterred, the mother, Gabriela, set out to bring her child back. Today, we're finishing the story of Krampus, As Gabriela searches for the monster, we'll explore a number of folkloric creatures that share a common ancestry with Krampus, all of whom make wandering through Germany in the winter exceedingly dangerous. The term Krampus actually refers to an entire breed of demonic creatures that supposedly can be seen in the Alps during the winter. Even though this is a dark creature within Germanic folklore, it's often portrayed in a light manner. To this day, towns across Europe celebrate Krampusnacht in early December. On these nights, hundreds of young men wear ghoulish masks and furs, parading through their respective villages. Some take part in a Krampuslauf, or Krampus run, and others participate in a sort of Krampus brawl known as a rempler. During a rempler, two or more gangs of Krampus performers shove each other in a mock battle. These can become very rowdy events. Krampus performers frequently become drunk on schnapps. For centuries, the story of Krampus was a highly localized tradition, not spreading far due to the geography of the Alps. Additionally, because of the relative isolation of towns in Bavaria and Austria, there was no unified version of Krampus. Some key aspects of the traditions would be shared, but the specific details varied widely between towns. These local variations will come into play in our story as Gabriela continues her journey to take her daughter back from the jaws of the holiday demon. When she was a young girl, Gabriela loved climbing. Her parents could barely keep her away from any tree, rock, or rooftop she wanted to ascend. But even in her youth, she knew the follies of trying to climb up the side of a mountain in mid-December. But now, as a grown woman, she was going to attempt this treacherous feat. She had no choice. Her daughter, Liesel, had been taken by the cruelest of monsters. Gabriela could not live with herself if she didn't try to get her back. 
As the icy wind bit at the exposed parts of her face, Gabriela thought back to when she was Liesel's age. It was during those days that she first saw the horrible face of Krampus. She wondered if her own parents would have ventured into the cold after her if she had been taken that night. The thought gave her a chill far deeper than the wind ever could. She wished Ernst, her husband, was with her, but she knew a merchant could not abandon his trade. If they went together, they likely would not have a home to return to. But even knowing this, his absence was like a pit in Gabriela's heart. A shadow passed through the trees nearby, snapping Gabriela back to attention. Another climber? Not likely in this weather. She was the only one willing to make this trek, the only human, anyway. Gabriela clutched her furs tightly about her, hoping whatever it was would not notice her among the imposing snowdrifts. The warm glow of lanterns beckoned in the distance. It was a neighboring town, though in the dark she could not tell which one. She hoped she could make it there before she froze to death, or before she was devoured by some horrible creature. Everyone in the town of Kokel was already asleep, except for a young girl named Frida. Frida was always up late in the colder months. She couldn't help it. She loved watching snow fall in the moonlight. No matter how much her parents warned her about the night raven or night goat coming for her if she was awake after dark. So when Gabriela stumbled into town, she was the first to notice. Frida slipped out of her house cautiously. She thought her parents would not mind, as long as she didn't track mud indoors when she returned. She approached the strange woman, wrapping her small coat around her shoulders defensively. Hello? Girl, what are you doing out here so late? Where are your parents? Asleep in bed, like any normal person. Why are you wandering the woods at night? <gasps> Are you Frau Perschta, the witch? I am no witch, little child. I have to ask you, did you have a visit from Krampus recently? No, I'm a good girl. Krampus only visits naughty children. Shame. But I did see him. I see everything from my window at night. Nothing can cross the lake without me noticing. He was following behind old St. Nicholas, so I pretended to be asleep as they passed. Which direction did they go? Frida looked warily at the strange woman, finally taking in her full appearance in the gloom. She was dressed as if she intended to walk all the way to Munich from here, layered in snow-caked furs with a heavy pack slung over her shoulders. Frida softened. There was no reason to be suspicious of this strange, wandering woman. She was not ugly enough to be some kind of winter demon or Pershten, and too visibly tired to be a spirit. Come inside. I'll wake my parents and we can warm you up by our fire. Your kindness is touching, but I must keep going. I cannot afford to fall behind. Please, tell me where they went. Seeing that the woman would not be deterred, Frida raised a finger, pointing to the mountains near the southern end of town. 
With a sigh, the woman adjusted her bag and kept walking, patting Frida on the head as she passed. Frida watched until the woman had vanished into the dark. She shook her head in disbelief. What an odd way to spend the Christmas season. The weather did not let up as Gabriela soldiered her way through the wilderness. In her pack, she carried enough food to last her for a long while and a small parcel of Turkish delight for when she found Liesel. Her daughter would be longing for something sweet. Days rolled into nights. The weather lightened up slightly, but the snow on the ground was several feet deep. She lost track of time. Hours became days. But then, one evening, a chill ran up her spine as she sensed something stalking her in the woods. There, between the trees, it was large and furry, its movements almost like a whisper. Was it the Krampus? She felt weak, almost ready to collapse from exhaustion. It would be too easy to curl up and let it take her. But then suddenly, she felt the creature's breath on her neck. Panic rising in her chest, she took off at a run, fighting against the heavy snowbanks. As she fled, she caught glimpses of more figures, pale faces, hollow eyes, staring at her from the shadows. Ghosts, spirits, Holzleute, the wood folk, Schratzlin, forest goblins. She could not stop. Even though her legs ached and her lungs burned, she would not let these demons have her child. A shadow stepped in front of her, covered in hair with jaws that dripped with saliva. It was the thing that had been stalking her. Not a Krampus, but a werewolf. She tried to change directions, but slipped on a patch of ice. Her head struck a rock, and the world blinked out of existence. When Gabriela awoke, she was by a fire. It was daytime, but the overcast sky choked out most of the sun's light. She looked around to see a man beside her. He had a full beard and was clothed in a coat made of many animal hides. She watched him bind antlers together with thin strips of leather. He was making snowshoes. Where am I? Not far from where you fell. The Alps are a dangerous place. Why do you risk life and limb so recklessly? If they are so dangerous, why are you here? One question at a time. I am following my daughter and the demon that took her. You should go home. If a demon of these woods took her, she is lost. I cannot just abandon her. Your cause is noble, but I'm afraid there is nothing to be done. I do not need your permission. I have resolved to hunt Krampus on my own, and that I shall do, no matter what anyone says. I see. If that is the beast you're hunting, fortune appears to be on your side. That demon passes through these woods every year. I know its path well. My name is Bruno. 
Since you will not be swayed, I will help you track the beast. Though fear still gnawed at her gut, Gabriela smiled. It would be easier to face the multitude of winter spirits with a companion by her side. But in the dead of winter, dangerous spirits and ghouls were never too far off, and many were just as fearsome as the Krampus. Coming up, Gabriela and Bruno face off against the demons of the forest. Thank you so much for listening. We want to take this time to tell you that Mythology will be taking the next two weeks off. We'll be back with a brand new episode on January 7th. In the meantime, we do have a special gift to share with you. While we're away, we'll be airing our listeners' most requested episodes of 2019. If you'd like to check out the most requested episodes from ParCast's other shows, subscribe to ParCast Presents to hear our best of 2019. From everyone here at ParCast, we'd like to wish you a happy holiday season. We're thankful for your support and look forward to bringing you even more unique and entertaining podcasts in the new year. Thanks for listening. Now back to the story. In the liturgical calendar, observed by most Christian denominations, Christmas is not a one-day holiday. It begins on Christmas Eve and continues for the 12 days afterward, leading up to the Feast of the Epiphany on January 6th. These 12 days are a helpful excuse to keep the celebrations and the prayers going through the new year. But for the Alpine cultures, these 12 days or Raunecta, were when the pagan spirits they worshipped before Christianity would reappear. Krampus is only the prelude to the ghosts, goblins, and demons of the Raunecta. The oldest spirits of the region are known as the Pershten. They're led by Frau Pershta, a witch similar to Krampus in her punishing and rewarding of children. But witches are not the only classical monster said to roam the Alps in the winter. As late as 1860, Germanic countries believed children born on Christmas Day were an affront to Christ. Babies born on this holy day were said to be cursed to become werewolves. And werewolves were as much of a social pariah as witches. Some European countries conducted werewolf trials in the same way their neighbors conducted witch trials, pinning wolf attacks on their fellow citizens. These were not as widespread as witch trials, but there are enough cases to be statistically significant. Superstition is a powerful force, especially back when monsters and curses were considered to be a fact of life. In our story, these are more than superstitions. Gabriela knew about the dangers of the Raunecta when she set out after Krampus. But the love of a mother is powerful, strong enough to risk encountering a Pershten werewolf or something far more horrific. Gabriela knew she could not stay in Bruno's cave long, but he was surprisingly good company. Despite his rough manner, he was a kind host and did his best to make her stay comfortable. During the day, she explained to him everything she knew about the Krampus. When she told him its name, his face grew grim. 
It is unlucky to speak its name aloud here. Say Gonkrul instead, lest you call it to your side by mistake. All the better. If I call it to me, it'll bring my daughter. We should not risk its wrath. If you make it mad, it will never release your child. We must prove the child's goodness and make the demon doubt its own judgment. How can this be done? That I cannot say. Perhaps you should think on why it took your child in the first place. That day, they set out after the Krampus. Gabriela thought all traces of the creature would have vanished by now, but she underestimated how well Bruno knew the woods. By that afternoon, Bruno was surging forward with certainty, claiming he could see signs that Krampus had followed this path. It passes this way every year. I never have seen it, but I often hear the sounds of its kind in the evenings. Before... Before what? Before I... go to sleep. A strange thing happened as they made camp that evening. Bruno grew increasingly agitated. Sweat beaded on his forehead, and he wrung his hands anxiously. Gabriela noticed this. Why are you acting so strange? My apologies. I am... Unused to spending so much time with another person since I left my hometown by the base of the mountain. Why did you leave? The woods were the only place I felt comfortable living. You should get some rest. I'll keep an eye out so no one surprises you. That night was a restless one for Gabriela. She awoke often to some crack or rustle in the surrounding forest. Every time her eyes opened, she feared the worst. What if she saw a druid or night hag moments before it smothered her, or glimpsed a zealfogel, the soul bird, come to herald her death? But none of them appeared. The most she saw was a horrible black shape lurking in the distance, growling but not approaching. Though her memory of the previous nights was all too clear, the dark figure was hazy enough for her to think it was maybe just a dream. But at midnight, she was awakened again by a strange noise. A swarm of bees was swirling in the icy air around their campsite. She clutched her furs tightly, watching the insects zip back and forth furiously. This strange sight Bees swarming when they should be hibernating was a sign Gabriela had taught her daughter to look for every year. A sign that Christmas Eve had come. She wondered if a nearby river was turning red with wine. Her eyes were drawn away from the bees a moment later by a distant scream. More restless spirits flitted through the trees. She saw them the shapes of men and women gliding in the hazy dark. Their movements seemed equal parts aimless and purposeful. She stared at the parade of spirits, her eyes not quite able to focus on their features. They were like echoes of the past. The cold pierced her furs, racking her body with a shiver. She had never felt colder in her life. Unable to sleep, she tried to think of what her daughter had done to deserve being taken by Krampus. Liesel had always been rash and stubborn, but she was a kind and thoughtful child. Surely stealing the occasional sweet from her father 
did not make Liesel a bad child. But Gabriela realized with a shudder, she herself had not done much worse to merit a visit from Krampus. Her younger sister had been very eager to join her every time she went off to play on her own. And one day, when climbing a tree, her sister had grabbed onto her heel in an attempt to follow her. She had kicked out in surprise and knocked her sister to the ground. When St. Nicholas visited her house, he had looked quite stern when he read about the injuries Gabriela had caused her sister. The sound of fresh wood landing on their campfire returned Gabriela to the present. Bruno stared at her across the embers, dark circles beneath his eyes. He looked weary. Did you sleep at all last night? I do not sleep much. Not when I'm on a hunt. I'm glad you're all right. I saw shapes in the darkness. Strange shapes. It was just a few wolves. Nothing to be afraid of. But that is not news. We are close. I found a tuft of black fur caught in a tree nearby. Fur is not so strange in woods like these. With goats and bears that wander through the trees. Those harmless beasts will have huddled in caves to escape the cold. It is Gonkrol. His lair is less than a day's walk from here. The news that they were so close to their goal filled Gabriela with fresh hope. But as they walked, she kept an eye on Bruno. He looked visibly exhausted, each step growing heavier. I never said thank you for helping me. Don't thank me until we have found your daughter. Your thanks will mean little if she is already dead. The air grew thin as they scaled goat paths up the side of the mountain. Bruno told Gabriela to remember to breathe. She could fall unconscious at this altitude if she was not careful. The sun, dimly visible through the clouds, traced their path upward, then vanished beyond the other side of the mountains. As the world darkened around them, they found the cave. Gabriela stifled a scream when she saw within. There were dozens of creatures just like the one she had seen as a child, writhing and dancing through the cave. A fire glowed in the center, and above the fire, a dark iron pot hung menacingly. One of the creatures carried a sack over its shoulder. The sack squirmed as if filled with small animals. Gabriela's heart sank. She knew what kind of animals were in there and what the Krampus wanted to do with them. The time has come, my brothers. Time for our Christmas feast. <laughs> Gabriela grabbed onto the rocks in front of them, tensing her muscles, ready to jump out of cover and into the fray. What are you doing? I have to stop this. My daughter is in that sack. You don't know for sure. Be smart. Even if you get away, it will be dark soon. You cannot outrun them in the night. Do not lecture me on acting smart. If I play it safe, my daughter could die tonight. You have no children. You do not understand what it means to be a mother. 
As they watched, the main Krampus opened the sack and tipped it over, sending a pile of live children rolling onto the cave floor. Gabriela's argument stopped in her throat when she saw Liesel among the tangle of bodies on the floor. She looked unhurt, her eyes half closed from exhaustion. Her nightgown had changed from its bright white color to a dirty gray. Tears welled in Gabriela's eyes. She was so close to her daughter, but had no way of reaching her. She turned back to Bruno. You said you would help me. My daughter is moments away from being cooked alive. What good was your help if this is where it ends? You are right. I do not understand a mother's love. My mother cast me out because of the day I was born. What are you talking about? I was born this very day. Christmas. I was cursed. I... When darkness falls, save your daughter. I will take care of the Krampus. Gabriela was speechless, trying to take in all Bruno had told her. But the moon did not wait for her. It shone behind the clouds, casting pale blue light over the mountain. Then Bruno began to change. His fingers stretched and twisted. His legs bent backwards on themselves. Gray hair sprouted from his skin. His teeth grew into long, dog-like fangs. And just when it seemed the transformation was complete, he turned to her. His eyes still seemed remarkably human within the face of a werewolf. Get the children. Bruno leaped into the cave, snarling and attacking the goat demons with his claws. They scattered, shocked at the creature's arrival. Gabriela did not think twice. She ran for her daughter. Liesel, Liesel, wake up! Mother, what are you doing here? I've come to take you home. Come on. I'm cold. It is so cold here. I'll get you warm. Don't worry. Gabriela wrapped her daughter in one of her spare furs and picked her up. Behind them, chaos raged throughout the cave. Seeing the opportunity, the other children scattered. Gabriela followed them, casting one last glance over her shoulder. She saw Bruno, fur ragged and wet with blood snarling as the goat-like monsters surrounded him, the werewolf who had saved her daughter's life. Up next, Gabriela and Liesel escape from the Krampus lair, only to find that the journey home is equally fraught with peril. Now, the conclusion of our story. Krampus-style celebrations took quite some time to spread beyond their alpine origins. They only started to gain traction outside of Austria and Bavaria in the late 1800s due to greeting cards known as Krampuskarten. The first artistic depiction of Krampus, these Krampus cards showed a goat-like monster looming over children with a switch and a wicked grin. In the artwork, Krampus is shown as having one human foot and one cloven hoof, 
unlike many more recent depictions in which he only has the hooves. Krampuskarten first started to appear in the 1880s as Austria's relatively new postal system spread the imagery of Krampus to regions throughout the Austro-Hungarian Empire. In truth, the Krampus cards had little to do with the actual myth of Krampus, but they were the first in a long line of shallow interpretations of the Krampus myth that persists to this day. But even in the most surface-level reading of the Krampus myth, it's understood that Krampus is not to be trusted. A demon embodiment of winter mischief, Krampus is as unpredictable as the harsh winter climates that birthed it. And Krampus is not known for giving up his prey so easily. Gabriela fled onto the slopes. Dusk was upon them. The other escaped children scattered in all directions, letting panic and instinct guide their flight. Gabriela was as cautious as she dared, making sure not to slip on any of the icy crags. But she could hear the sounds of screeching and indignant cries behind them. The demons had finally realized their prey had fled and were in pursuit. She did not risk going down the way they came. It was too treacherous in the dark. They would have to hide in the mountains until the sun rose. I think we'll be safe here. Here, warm yourself. I'm sorry, Mother. I shouldn't have stolen from Father. I should have listened to you. You made a mistake. That's how we learn. I was the same way when I was young. I listened to my mother's stories just as that. Stories. Yes, Mother. I hope the other children live closer to this mountain than we do. Me too. Do you want something to eat? Gabriela opened her bag and produced the small squares of Turkish delight her husband had sent with them. A reminder of the home he was keeping safe for them. Hands shaking, Liesel took a piece. Tears formed in her eyes as she ate, arms wrapped around her mother. That night, as her daughter slept, Gabriela stared into the darkness warily. Late that night, she saw a massive creature pass on two legs, but it did not look like the Krampus she had seen. It was covered in white fur, and its horns curled high above its head, looking more like cow or elk horns than goat ones. She found herself wondering how many caves were there on this mountain, just like the one she had seen, and how many of them held child-hungry monsters within. The days were dark as they made their way back down the slopes. Sometimes they would hear the sound of a Krampus scream from above, or a child crying. There was no point in trying to help. They had to find their own way home. The stone beneath their feet eventually leveled out into snowy earth, but shadows still lurked in the darkness, and often Liesel was too scared to sleep. Mommy, what if Krampus follows us? It won't. And other demons? What if one of the Pershing gets us? Well, I will keep watch all night 
And make sure they don't. How about that? That didn't keep Krampus from taking me. Listen, no one will touch you ever again. You hear me? I have another story to tell you. Is it the one about the wild hunt? No. It's one you've never heard before. It is my own. And so, finally, Gabriela told Liesel her own Krampus story. Liesel listened intently, eyes wider than they had ever been. After all these years, at last she realized why her mother had never told her the full story of Krampus. She fell asleep comforted by the thought that if her mother had survived an encounter with the demon, she could make it home safely as well. But when she awoke in the witching hour, this warmth had vanished. What woke her that night was not a sound, but rather a smell. The smell of wet goat's fur. Did you think I would have forgotten you, little one? Go away. I'm not scared of you. Every child is. Well, I'm different. (laughs) That's what your parents tell you. But every child is the same. None of you are special. And you all taste just as delicious. The familiar shape of Krampus loomed through the trees, yellow eyes staring hungrily. Its single hoof pawed the snow. And then their campfire surged to life. Liesel's mother stood up from where she had crouched, staring the Krampus down. Liesel grabbed her hand, feeling the fear in her heart dwindle in her mother's presence. I am not afraid of you anymore. Mother? It can't hurt us. If it wants to take you, it would have to take both of us. And I am not on its master's list. What do you say, Krampus? Would you risk the wrath of St. Nicholas over a child who stole some sweets? The Krampus looked from one to the other, a strange expression crossing its face. Recognition? Confusion? It was hard to tell in its demonic features. The Krampus licked its lips with a long red tongue, and then it receded into the darkness. They did not see a Krampus after that. But they did see other creatures. One evening, Liesel could have sworn she saw Veiklin, the witch condemned to dance in burning slippers. Ghosts and Pershten haunted their nights, but they knew that the worst was behind them. On January 6th, the Feast of the Epiphany, they arrived back home to find Ernst Liesel's father waiting for them at the edge of town. He embraced his wife and daughter, tears flowing freely from his eyes. He had spent every day praying for their safe return, and it seemed that these prayers had been answered. But as they broke apart, Liesel saw something in the distance. Another Pershton, perhaps? She stared into the distance. It was like no Pershton she had ever seen. The figure had a tall hat, 
crooked staff and a beard. Then she realized who she was staring at. It was Saint Nicholas, watching the family reunion from a distance. He nodded to the little girl, turned and walked back up the side of the mountain. She watched him until he was out of sight. When he was gone, Liesel grinned and rejoined her family, walking back into town. As winter wore on, she often thought back to that strange month she spent with the Krampus and wondered whether the other children had gotten away safely. Some had been captured, she was sure, but hopefully some had made it. Liesel made herself a promise. Whenever she had children, she would tell them this story as soon as they were old enough to catch Krampus's eye. Between her and her mother, it would become a holiday tradition. Krampus has received something of a revival in recent years. From the 1990s and especially in the 2010s, a number of books, films, and fresh holiday stories have sprung up around the holiday demon, culminating in a 2015 motion picture produced by Universal Studios. Krampus is now one of the most well-known mythological creatures. Krampus runs are no longer a purely European tradition, with some springing up in American cities such as New York and Los Angeles. Unfortunately, this new popularity has a downside. People in Austria and Bavaria have complained about what they call Advent tourism, or people coming to their country in droves to see Krampus runs in their original habitat, treating their culture like a zoo. And the modern popularity machine shows no signs of stopping. Films, television shows, comic series, and books on Krampus are continuously in development, expanding the Krampus myth in ways that the original Alpine cultures could not have dreamed. For instance, a comic book posits that Krampus is the son of Hel, the Norse goddess of death. This is a creative bit of backstory that many modern readers might accept without realizing it has nothing to do with the original myth. In a way, this modern warping of the Krampus myth is the same sort of pop culture facelift that turned the Catholic Saint Nicholas into the non-denominational Santa Claus. It may make a number of traditionalists sad, but these changes are preferable to the myth of Krampus falling into obscurity like its sister myths. It shows that Krampus has an appeal beyond that of local tradition. So this Christmas, if you hear about a Krampus run going on in your neighborhood, feel free to join in. Have a few loggers and put on a mask, but beware. No matter how much his image may change over the years, the goal of Krampus is always the same, to discipline naughty children, and his punishments are far worse than a lump of coal. Thanks again for tuning in to Mythology. We'll be back Tuesday with a new episode. 
For more information on Krampus, amongst the many sources we used, we found The Krampus and the Old Dark Christmas Roots and Rebirth of the Folkloric Devil by Al Ridenauer extremely helpful to our research. You can find more episodes of Mythology and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Mythology, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Mythology on Spotify, just open the app and type Mythology in the search bar. If you enjoy Mythology, you'll love my other podcast, Tales. Tales presents fairy tales the way they were originally told, orally and unadulterated. Traditional fairy tales aren't exactly suitable for children, and every other Saturday, we dive into another dark, classic tale. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Parcast, and Twitter at Parcast Network. We'll be back next week with another epic tale. Mythology was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler, sound design by Carrie Murphy, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, Freddie Beckley, and Paul Mahler. This episode of Mythology was written by Robert Teamstra, with writing assistance by Drew Cole. The amazing cast of voice actors includes Susanna Corrington, Harris Markson, and Kathleen Nielsen. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Just a reminder that we'll be back with a new episode on January 7th. In the meantime, we'll be playing our listeners' most requested episodes of 2019. Thanks again for listening. We hope you have a wonderful holiday season. 